0: Scripture lesson for today, Exodus 20, 8 through the 11th chapter. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien residents in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. The word of God for us, the people of God. God. So, for the past few weeks, we've been talking about rhythms in our life, and that's caused me to examine some of the rhythms in my life, and um, to ask friends around me who participate in these rhythms why we are doing what we are doing. That generally happens on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday mornings when my friends and I are out running. Um, On Tuesdays and Thursdays um, we gather here in Statesboro, on Tuesdays at the Wesley Foundation parking lot, and then on Thursdays at Cool Beans downtown to run, and then Saturday mornings we meet at Hanner Fieldhouse for our long run. And so a few weeks back, we're in the midst of our long run, and I just flat out asked my buddies, I said, guys, what are we doing? Why, why are we doing this? And so the first answer is easy. It's all, the first answer is always easy. This is for our health. This is for our fitness. By running these streets, we are keeping ourselves limber. We are moving. We are caring about heart health which is something I never thought about until I turned 40. Also because objects in motion tend to stay in motion. But the truth is, we aren't getting faster. In fact, our fastest years are probably behind us. The, the room for improvement is, is marginal at best, and so we ran on for a few miles and... Then we talked about the social part of it, that it's, running is not just about fitness, it's also about socializing, it's about relationships. It's good to be in community, and yeah, I've got a great community of guys that I run with three days a week. We're friends with each other. Our little group, we now pray for each other. We've, we've talked through and walked through some stuff together, and we are each other's biggest encouragers Not only when we're racing, but also in life, I get so many encouraging text messages from my running buddies. It's become a community, and that helps give me strength. We'd run on another mile or so when things got philosophical. On a 10-mile run, the philosophical point is not until about mile 8, when the suffering becomes real, and you start to really, really think about why it is that you're out here doing this. So as the philosophy broke out in our group, another friend piped up and said, the reason we run has something to do with trying to prove ourselves, right? We're out here doing this to prove ourselves, that we've still got it, to prove our manhood, to prove that we can still compete and maybe even for like two and a half minutes go fast. (laughs) That we've beat back death for one more day, right? truth is, on some level, we're all outrunning death. At least we think we are. We're all trying to live past the limits that God has set on our lives. And we've all bought into these myths, like the myth of continuous improvement, that somehow every day we can get a little bit better than we were yesterday, when reality is there is a tipping point, friends, where things don't get better and may even get worse. It's a myth. And so rather than deny our limits, it's healthy to embrace them, to understand that our rhythms in our life expose the limits in our life. And learning to embrace our limits is a part of recognizing that you and I are not God, but that we are God's creation, that you and I are not God's, but God's own children, That you and I are not immortal, and we are not omniscient, and we are not omnipotent. Unlike God, you and I are limited beings. I can't run on endlessly. There's a limit to how far I can go. You can't work endlessly. There's a limit to how far you can go. Even our lives themselves are limited. Think about it. There was a time when you were not In this moment you are, but there is coming a day when you will not be again. We will all face death unless Christ comes and carries us home before. Our lives are bounded. There is a beginning and there is an end. Let me put it another way, none of us is getting out of here alive. It's a fact that we can run from. Or it's a truth that we can embrace that allows us to develop rhythms that lead us toward abundance. Towards life that truly is life. So rather than fight our limited nature, rather than run from it or deny it, I've found that there's freedom in embracing it. There's freedom in knowing that I am not God, but that I am God's beloved. That you are God's beloved each and every One of you and all of those yous that are out there beyond the walls of this building, they are all, we are all God's beloved. There is peace in knowing that I am not all-powerful, but that I have a relationship with the One who formed the mountains and the seas with the edge of His hand. There is comfort in knowing that I am not all-knowing and don't have to be all-knowing. But know the one who knows all, the one that came before me, all that came before me and all that will come after me. In embracing our limitations in life, we acknowledge who God is and who we are not. Even in my running, when I admit that I have limits, I'm able to run with more comfort. I'm able to avoid injury and heartache and pain because I've acknowledged the limits of myself. And God invites us to remember our limitations by developing rhythms of rest in our lives. That rest is called Sabbath in the Scriptures. And if you remember last week, I told you that work is a gift, that work is a gift from God and it's connected to the image of God that's imprinted on our very souls. Our work is an extension of God's creative work given to us for our enjoyment and for our pleasure. Our work. Is a gift from God. What's interesting though is that if you look throughout the scriptures about Sabbath, about rest, while work is a gift from God, Sabbath is a command of God. You ever notice that? That work is a gift, but in the scriptures, Sabbath is a commandment. Listen to these words again from Exodus 28 to 11. From the middle of the Ten Commandments, God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath, a rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals or nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Y'all, work is a gift, but Sabbath is a command. Rest is a command. And this isn't the only place, by the way, where Sabbath is referred to as a command. In Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15, you have a retelling of the Ten Commandments. It says there, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has suggested. Go back one verse. Did it say suggested? No, it says commanded. As the Lord, com- rest as the Lord has commanded you. To rest six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, neither your son, nor daughter, neither your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your animals, nor a foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Calling back to the original creation story, then the writer of Deuteronomy does something very interesting. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Quick question, friends. How many days a week do slaves work? Say it louder for the people in the back. Seven days. Every day. Every day. Slaves work every single day. The thing that made them, made the Jews Um, A a unique and separate people, this command to follow the Sabbath, was lost in their captivity. They lost this key feature of their identity as God's people. They were unable to rest, to release themselves from their labor, because they were under oppression by the, the, the Pharaoh in Egypt. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and you worked every day. And that the Lord God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. From Jeremiah 17, do not bring a load out of your house or do any work on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your ancestors. From Ezekiel twenty twenty, keep my Sabbaths holy that they may be assigned between us then you will know that I am the Lord your God, not because of anything you've done, but because you rested, because you stepped back from the work and remembered that it's not you who holds all things together, but it's Almighty God who holds all things together. The Scriptures tell us that in Christ we live and move and have our being, Not because of the work of our hands, but because of the work of God. There are similar references to God's command of keeping the Sabbath all throughout the Old Testament in Isaiah, Nehemiah, and even more. Now, most of the time, this is the stopping point in the sermon. And we'd all agree that it's important for us to rest because it's God's design. We see it reflected in creation. We see it commanded in the Ten Commandments. We see it referred to over and over again throughout the Old Testament. We'd walk away and say, yes, we should all rest. And then we would go back to our normal rhythms of life. Am I right? Yeah, I sat in the pews for a long time, friends. I know how it works. We don't want you. I don't want you to fall back into old rhythms and old habits. So I want to suggest to you today four characteristics of biblical Sabbath that you can employ in your life. And if you want to learn more about these biblical habits, um, you can look up a book by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Christianity. It's a book you're going to hear a, mo- a lot about in the, in the next few months um, as we dive into it as a congregation. But Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, one of the key elements of being emotionally healthy and having a deep and abiding faith in Jesus Christ is understanding the importance of Sabbath, the importance of rest, and accepting the nature of our limitedness, accepting these rhythms that God has established, not for our detriment, but for our good. So what does a Sabbath day actually look like? As I said last week, All too often, our work consumes every part of our lives. Every moment of our waking hours, we wake up and look at our phone and begin to check our email before we even get our feet out of bed. Sabbath is a break from all of that. It's a time to rest and to experience the recreation that Jesus offers us. So yesterday, I'm I'm writing after my 10-mile run, and, and I helped a friend tape up his bike um, before I went to work at the Irk Russell Classic, and in between all of that, I'm sitting there editing my sermon, and I, I occasionally run a couple sentences past Stephanie to say, does all of this make sense? And generally, she says no, um, but that's a whole nother sermon. So, I'm running these sentences past Stephanie, and she says, ah, so you're preaching on Sabbath, I said, yes. She said, so when are you going to (laughs) rest? When are you going to rest? Y'all, Sabbath is hard because the rhythm of our world is different than the rhythm of God. The world would have you work seven days a week, but God invites you to rest, to be recreated and reformed, that you might not just have life but life that is abundant. So when it comes to Sabbath, to the rest that God commands us to take from our work, here are the four things that we need to do. The first thing is this. Stop. You've got to stop. Sabbath is first and foremost a time when we cease all work, all of our paid work, like your job, and all of the unpaid work, like paying the bills and washing the clothes and cooking the meal, It's a rest from all work. Now, let me tell you, the number one way for me to actually experience a stopping point in my life, do you know what I have to do? Turn off my phone. Because my phone has this habit of, of dinging every time I get a notification, vibrating when I get an email, Buzzing whenever someone texts me. It has this habit of reminding me that I must keep going, that people are depending on me, that that everything would fall apart if I don't respond right now. That couldn't be further from the truth. I can tell you that when I cut off my phone and I turn on my little autoresponder, I get true peace and true rest because suddenly the demands that are all too often more urgent than they are important, fade away. Some of us, our first step towards stopping is turning off our cell phone. And for some of us, that's a major deal. Some of you get hundreds, if not thousands, of emails a day because of the type of work that you're in. The first step toward observing a biblical Sabbath is stopping, so find a way to turn it off. Because when you do, you recognize in your heart of hearts that the truth is that we'll never finish all of our goals and projects, and that even if we stop, God is still on the throne and He's managing quite well, ruling the entire universe without our help. God has got it. Every Sabbath begins with a conscious stop. Once you've stopped then, you've got to rest. It's not just enough to stop, but you have to do something in that space that you've created by stopping. The second thing that you have to do to observe a biblical Sabbath is to rest. In Genesis, we're told that God rested after the work of creation was completed on the seventh day. And we're called to do the same, to find a day where we don't just sit still or lay in bed, but instead engage in activities that restore and replenish us. Now, for some of you, that's a nap. And some of you need a nap. And some of you should go home and take a nap as a part of your Sabbath today. Others of us, you may need to go hiking to burn off some of the energy that you've built up inside of your body. Some of you need to sit down with a good book and read some of you need to go out and eat a great meal to enjoy and to rest some of you need to get with some friends kick a ball or watch a game so that you can find yourself renewed maybe you've got a hobby or a sport that you play maybe that's what you need to do to experience that renewal and that rest that your soul needs to do this though you have to stop And you have to put aside intentional time during your week to take care of all of those unpaid things that you have to take care of, the bills, the cleaning, the grocery shopping, and fixing things. On your Sabbath, stop and then make the intentional choice to rest. And as you rest, step into the third thing, that is to delight. The Scriptures tell us that God delighted in the creation. That he looked on all that he had made and he pronounced it very good. And this was not some sort of like weak afterthought. Oh, well, it's nice to be done with all of that. But a joyful recognition and celebration of all that had been accomplished. When God steps back from creation and declares it very good, God is celebrating and you are invited to celebrate and to delight on your Sabbath. God invites you to join in the celebration and delight that He has in His creation, in the gifts that creation blesses us with. with. To delight in the work that you've done and to look back on it and thank God for the gift that work is and the command to stop work so that you can be renewed. And so as part of preparing to practice Sabbath in your life, one of the questions you have to ask yourself is, what gives me joy and delight Because that needs to be a part of your Sabbath practice. Your rest each week needs to include something that you delight in, something that you enjoy, something that gives you life and reminds you of the abundance that Jesus has for you. Now, this is going to be different for each of us. You need to find that thing, whatever it may be, that brings you delight and joy so that you can delight on your Sabbath. And then the fourth element of a biblical Sabbath is to contemplate. It's to reflect. Far too many of us go through life just living day after day after day after day after day, checking off days on our calendar. And our life has no reflection in it. No moments for us to look back and to discover the ways that God is moving in our lives. The ways that others have blessed us and ways that we've been a blessing to others. We have no point of reflection in our lives. Sabbath is an invitation to look back on all that you've done this week. All that you've accomplished. And to see the unforced hands of God moving in your life. That doesn't mean that you spend the entire day reading scripture or studying or in prayer. That might be a part of your Sabbath. What it does mean is that on your Sabbath, you take some time to take a full account of all that God has done in your life this week, to delight in it, and to find peace in the midst of the circumstances that you find yourselves in. Contemplation is an extension of delight when we are intentional about looking for the evidence of God's love in all of the things that He's given us to enjoy. We've got to learn how to stop, how to rest, how to delight, and how to contemplate in order to live into a biblical Sabbath. Now, I know that this sermon probably won't radically change the way you think about the rhythms of rest that you have in your life, but I hope that raising your awareness to the limitation, the limited nature of your life, that you begin to develop some new rhythms and new habits in your life. I hope that you would take some time this week, some intentional time to practice rest, Sabbath rest. And it's okay if you don't get it right the first time. If you realize midway through your rest that you've got to wash some clothes, that's okay. There's grace here. That's okay. What God honors is our intention to step away from our work and to step into His presence so that we can be renewed and restored in His image. Practicing Sabbath, it prepares us for an eternal Sabbath that we will enjoy with God as those who have inherited the promise of God through Jesus Christ. See, there will be a day when the old order of things will pass away, when there will be no more working, no more striving, no more heartache, no more pain. There will be a day that comes When what we get to enter into is not eternal work, but eternal rest, eternal recreation with God Almighty. Our weekly Sabbaths, our opportunity to taste heaven, even if only for a few moments. So Jesus invites you to stop your striving to remember that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that he has come to give you life that truly is life, to enjoy and embrace that life, because it's yours if you'll only accept it. The command of God to rest is a command to recognize that we are not God, but that we can trust the one who holds all things together. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, we are your people, and we are limited. Though we've tried to convince ourselves again and again that we have the power, the capacity to live on into eternity, you know that our days are numbered. You know the ways that we need to stop, the ways that we need to rest, the ways that we need to be restored. God, you know the ways... And you invite us to join you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that we might have the courage to stop, to rest, to delight, and to contemplate. To do more than go through the motions of work day after day after day, abusing the gift that you've given us. And instead, to delight in your commands, to rest. Thank you for reminding us through Jesus that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Thank you, God, for making a way for us to be remade in Your image through the work of Your Son. Lord God, we love You and we trust You today. Help us to find our rest and peace in You. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.